right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! he did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Welcome back to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is Matthew Cox, one of the three members of the three-man weave college basketball crew, Kai McKeon, the other, Jim Root, the other, other. Back at you in your airwaves as we are every Wednesday morning, all throughout the College Hoops year. Today's episode is the standard six-pack, live dog of the week, blowout city, power game of the week, mid-major game of the week. And Kai, we have a new section called the Trash Man, which is basically going to get even grosser and uglier and muckier than we have been in the past, trying to find the most disgusting matchups on the slate. And then some big rivalry games coming up later on this weekend as rivalry season is upon us for college hoops. But let's start with the dogs, the pups. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Pups have been barking so far this year, fellas. Uh, we've had some winners. We've been pretty prophetic in this section so far this season. Let's keep it hot. Kai, you've outlined a few games that have some live dog actions. And again, for those of you listening to us on Wednesday, we try and highlight games Thursday, Friday, Saturday into the weekend for you to circle as you go through your daily handicapping regimen. Some key ones here that'll jump out. Monmouth at St. John's. Murray State at Memphis. DePaul at Louisville. South Dakota State at Washington State. Kai, I know you're pretty big on the the Monmouth, Murray State, and DePaul spots here, Thursday, Friday, and Friday, respectively. Which one sticks out to you as a potential live money line? Let's talk Monmouth, Maddie. Kim Palm's got this one at minus 10. I don't think it gets to there. I I think it's below double digits here because Monmouth's 8-0 against the spread. I think the market knows that. And St. John's has struggled as a big favorite against teams they should be blowing out. St. Francis comes to mind. Jim, there's certainly other teams that are also that have also hung around with the Johnnies unexpectedly. I'm basically going to discount the St. John's love that I've had in the past of betting on, on, on them as big favorites and back Monmouth here. King Rice and the boys love it on the money line. Yeah. They got the backcourt to handle the pressure. St. John's coming off the Kansas home run. Like this is our time to prove ourselves. And then they got blown out. I, I think there's going to be some deflation to the Johnnies after yes. that in their, in their spirits. And as you mentioned, we, we already know they have a tendency to play down. Did you say Barely Dickinson? Is that the other one that you... I did not say that one. Okay. That they, they struggled to get away from the FDU as well. I, I'm with you. Mom has been so good, Matt. The uh, Walker Miller presence in the paint has given them something they haven't really had in the past. They got shooting. They've got good point guard play. I don't know. I, I'm kind of with, I'm with Kai here. I'm not going to officially take Monmouth Moneyline, but I probably will be on them from an against the spread perspective. seems like the Sharps have picked up on how good King Rice is this year. Shavar Reynolds and Walker Miller, basically two power conference guys dominating MAC level competition, and they've withstood the test against other power conference foes than they've played. Yeah, I think they handle the St. John's pressure. This game should be wild, by the way. This is going to be back and forth, up and down, ping pong, pinball, whatever you want to call it. It's going to be nuts. Champagne might have 30 just because they don't have a guy to guard him. But yeah, then, but hey, yeah, Georgie Pappas think... might have 35, and that's he right. might get the last laugh, <laughs> and that's all we care about. Memphis. It seems too obvious to fade Memphis, Jim. 
But here's a direct quote from Penny Hardaway after another gut-wrenching, disgusting loss at Ole Miss. We've got so much negativity in our locker room with veterans being jealous. Nobody is willing to sacrifice minutes, touches, anything. It's been miserable, end quote. Yeah, Penny, you're the coach. You brought this team together. <laughs> you put these guys in the locker room. That's on you. I'm sorry. Like, I know you just want guys to buy in and sacrifice. It is your job to get them to buy in. It is buying in. It doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen just because you want it to. He clearly is not doing the job and getting that sort of mentality of selflessness and winning first. Uh, and I sort of get it from the upperclassmen's perspective. Those are the ones he's been calling out, the veterans. Like the young guys have not played well, especially Imani Bates. So I, I sort of understand it. They, they were successful last year without him. But man, it feels like auto-fade Memphis right now. I, I kind of forced an old Miss bet this past weekend and it worked out well because yep. they're just sloppy and they foul and they put you in the free throw line. Murray State's been pretty feisty. If Memphis just plays half-court defense, they're incredible. But they give you too much, too many easy points at the line, Kai. Yeah. I kind of think Memphis still wins, though. So this is I'm not going to take money line, but I will probably back Murray State against the spread. Yeah, usually we have to kind of imply locker room issues, but Penny's saying the quiet parts out loud for us. Yes, so it's is. it's great. I mean, clearly they're in disarray. They're in something's going on. And, and Penny's hilarious when he's like. I can't believe these guys are like this. Like who did this? Who it's, it's the hot dog meme. I think you should leave me with the guy wearing the hot dog suit. Yes. Who did this? We're who all trying this? to find the guy that did this. <laughs> it's literally Penny Hardaway. And it, he's not very good at coaching. That's what it is, Matt. He said, they looked like an AAU team. Well, Penny you used to be an AAU coach. So that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, and then Murray state, not a, not a bad team. They have yet to play a top 100 team. That's the concern here, Matt. And the closest comp to Memphis athletically is probably ETSU. And they lost ETSU. They were one for 16 from three. That definitely hurts. Um, so I'm kind of with Jim. I'm not like excited about a money line, but I'm certainly excited to fade Memphis. Yeah. And Murray has been one of my favorite teams this season. The problem is that the market picked up on them so quickly top 100 in Ken Palm. So you're not getting like that ultimate juicy money line value if that's really what you're going to eye here. Uh, this is another probably no money line bet for me, unfortunately. I got to think Memphis eventually comes out just pissed off and angry. And when you're playing against Murray State, it's Murray State's strength, I think, is his speed and athleticism, but it won't be against Memphis. So all we'll see how that of, plays out. Yeah, all three of Memphis's like dizzying bad losses have been neutral road road. I think back home on the back home, discussing electric blue court, they'll get it figured out a little bit. That's worth a point and a half. Like if I can't watch it on my TV without my eyes hurting, I can't imagine how players go in there and handle <laughs> yeah. the ball against pressure. So maybe you add that to your uh, your home court handicapping matrix grid. Uh, speaking of teams that look like AAU squads, Kai DePaul is sort of in that group for me. And when they play hard, they're really good. And they did so in spurts against Loyola. But then sometimes when they let off the gas pedal, there's disjointed offensive chemistry and we don't really know what we're doing yet. We're not really a complete team comes and shines through in an ugly way. Can they take down Louisville on the road? A Louisville team that's playing better, but still certainly vulnerable in some regards. Gosh, I think so. I, I think they're kind of legit. I would say it's impressive that they hung around with Loyola. They got up six in the second half. Loyola's really good, man. They're top 30 team by Kim Palm standards. I do think DePaul has a real shot here uh, at beating Louisville. Now, their schedule's been bad, too. And, Jim, this is their first game on the road. We don't love betting teams in that scenario. But DePaul's got the athletes. This David Jones guy has been immense this season. We specifically don't like betting young or 
non-meshed teams in that first road game. And DePaul's not exactly young because of their transfers, but it's a team that we haven't seen fully come together. So that does spook yeah. me a little bit. The the one concern is that like I, I think of Chris Mack as kind of a, a half-court surgeon. Like his teams run great stuff in the half court execute really well, but they're running a lot this year. Yep. Yep. And if you roll out the red carpet to let DePaul play in transition, they're just going to like, their eyes are going to light up. They're incredible when they're downhill. Freeman Liberty throwing lobs to Gebrowit and David Jones running the floor. Uh, Angenda is a great athlete up in the front court. I just, I, I, this is again, another one where I like plus 10, but I, I don't like it enough to take the money line. Yeah. I think DePaul is a live dog. They're so athletic. I mean, your looks like a, human giant out there compared to whatever bigs are matched up against him. So we'll see how the demons pan out there on their first true roadie test under Mr. Stubblefield, the new commander in chief in Chicago, Chicago's biggies team playing possessed, playing possessed. Why not us? Kai, what are the other slogans they're piloting right now? I feel like they have a new one every month that, that, that PR team needs a little bit of uh, Chicago's biggies team. Chicago's being team. Yeah. It's something new every week. It's still kind of working out the kinks there. A quick South Dakota State plug. They're going to Washington State on Saturday. So just to rehash here, we have Monmouth St. John's on Thursday, Murray State Memphis, DePaul Louisville Friday, South Dakota State, Washington State Saturday. The Jack Bunnies are always a live dog. Going to Washington State, Kai, it's a tough, formidable defense there. The Wazoo are boasting. It's it's probably going to come in around seven or so. Do we think they can get it done outright? Yeah, and, and I like Wazoo too. I just think South Dakota State, anytime you're playing them, you have to be on upset alert because they are a legit team. They're better than your average mid major. And their offense is so good, they can just get scorching hot and, and beat piss you. hot. They can get piss, piss hot. hot, Kai. Piss hot, Jim. They're fifth in the country in three point percentage, and it's real. They're that good at shooting. So I I do think Washington State's an upset alert here, especially after that home run effort against USC. Yeah, they're that good at shooting, and they get that good of shots. Like the quality is, they're open. The spacing on their offense is beautiful. They've got an interior threat that causes double teams. Ball movement rocks. Yeah, I, I'm worried. Washington State kind of running out of chances to get big wins in the non-con for their resume and taking a home. This would probably be a, it might even be a Q2 loss with as good as South Dakota State can get to, but not something they want to take here. Unfortunately, I do think the Jackrabbits get the win though, unfortunately. Yeah, I like the spot. The only issue is that Noah Friedel did not play last game for South Dakota State. They're going to play on Wednesday night, so make sure to see if he was in the lineup in the non-con against Idaho. Again, they should win by 30 points, and then they just have to take the quick little bus ride over to uh, to Pullman there. So not also a pretty easy travel, actually, for the, for the Jack Bunnies. I think I'm going to take this one. So I think it's a manageable spread. I think it's a game they can match up well with the uh, the Wazoo and perhaps steal one. Let's plug two more here. Jim, I know you had a pet favorite, as did I. I'm staying in the nearby pack Northwest. I think Prairie View has a real shot to knock off Boise. And this is SWAC over Mountain West. It's going to be a big spread, probably between 10 to 15, closer to 15 points. I know Boise is athletic, but Prairie View is not much less athletic. And they just ran with South Dakota State for 40 minutes. They've battled against Power 6 teams, all non-conference. They finally have like a week off to rest. Like they're not like playing back-to-back-to-back or back-to-backs with like one day off. So I think they give a home run effort here. And Boise's been a little bit choppy to start. I know Taco Bell Arena can be a house of horrors for teams, but Prairie View A&M is not scared by anything or anyone anywhere. And yeah. I think the Panthers get it done. I got, I got two extra points to support you here, Matt. Uh, the last time they had 10 days off, they nearly won at Loyola Marymount yeah, LMU, lost by right. three. Uh, so that's that's huge. And then also Boise State's playing Tuesday. So they, they don't have a ton of rest. They're on the road and then they got to come back home with one day of rest. They, they're in a worse travel, almost a worse travel spot despite playing at home uh, than Prairie View A&M. So I, I lean with you there. Almost certainly bet Prairie View A&M against the number. Uh, the other two I just like that jumped out to me. I, I wanted to say Colgate at Pitt, but guys, Colgate's going to be favored. 
Like they, they're yeah. probably better than Pitt right now. So Pitt, um, let's take Pitt then. Moneyline special. The Panthers. Yeah, yeah, yeah Pitt, the home dog. A home dog against a freaking I, Patriots team. What a world we live in. What yeah, a world. The, the other one I wanted to throw in though on Saturday, UCLA heads to Marquette. The Golden Eagles, oh, I, I've been all about them as an underdog this year. UCLA's got injury issues. Cody Riley's banged up. We don't know if he'll be back. Jaime Jaquez also uh, not mm-hmm. entirely certain he'll be playing. If he's in there, I still think Marquette can get it done the way they pressure the ball and make games just frenetic and, and hard to figure out. They can throw more sell at Juzang. That helps potentially lock him down as a pull-up shooting threat. Marquette hosting UCLA. That's that's another one to keep an eye on, fellas. I was in person at the game against Illinois. They certainly bring out a good crowd at Pfizer Forum, Matt. And Shaka Smart, he's on his pressing game again. When he throws that zone press out there, I don't care how good your ball handlers are, it can bother you. They have athletes. Darren Morsell, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year last year. They're, they're not messing around. I do think Marquette has a real shot there. Can back on my bullshit be a positive phrase? Because Shaka yes. Smart's yeah. back on his bullshit. Back right, on his good, good bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Right. I'm with you. I mean, Marquette at home, there could be a deja vu of the Illinois game. No question. Where it gets real ugly and they scrap away and that crowd will be rocking as we know. Um, any more live dogs here? We're going to go heavy in this section, folks, because underdogs have been pretty feisty this season. Uh, still running the numbers here behind the scenes in our super secretive, highly elaborate three-man weave action-sponsored database here. But I believe underdog money lines have been extremely profitable, and they were monstrous on Saturday. So now is the time to hop in, too. Quick little mini section here, Blowout City. Got to talk about squads that are ripe to get the doors blown off. Only three this week. And I'd argue one is the only spot I'm actually looking to lay the points here with a large favorite, Kai. The three we have teed up, Merrimack at Gonzaga on Thursday, Houston Baptist at Rice on Saturday, and then Central Connecticut at Providence on Saturday. Which one stands out to you? We'll start chronologically here. Merrimack, Gonzaga. And Merrimack is not a bad team whatsoever. I just don't think the zone's going to work against the Zags. Um, it's overwhelmingly advantaged Gonzaga in terms of height, shooting. Merrimack's 340th in height. Zags are yeah, tiny team. There's nobody on this team can match up with Holmgren or Tilly. I think, and you're going to get an angry Zags team, in my opinion. Gonzaga finally has a game and not playing a top 10 team in the country. I think it's a real domination spot here, and Gonzaga can cover minus 27, whatever the spread's going to be. Merrimack going East Coast to West Coast after a Tuesday game, playing Thursday at Gonzaga. That's that's a tough travel spot. Zags with the first game after the loss to Bama, looking to take out some anger. Yeah, I would, I would lean towards the Zags. Kai, Houston Baptist at Rice. My only concern with this one is that the home is zero. Houston Baptist and Rice, both located in Houston. But man, Houston Baptist, I know they had a good 25 minutes against Oklahoma. Outside of that, it's been one of the worst 10 teams in college basketball this season. Rice is built to destroy teams as a favorite. They play fast. They can score quickly, turn you over, get points to go in the other way in a hurry. Uh, we saw Texas A&M just eviscerate Houston Baptist well, with pressure. They don't turn you over. They're 345th defensive turnover rate. I thought they had a higher turnover rate this year. Regardless whether Rice forces turnovers or not, HBU will give you the ball willingly. <laughs> That's fair point. And Rice <laughs> will put that and they'll capitalize. I think they win pretty handily, Kai. Question is, what's the number? Are you going to lay it? Yeah, because the spread's going to be low. According to Kempom, minus 12. Kidding me? I don't think HBU should be within 15 of any team. They're so bad. And I'm going to give home to rice i don't care if hbu's in the same city as rice it's it's home for sure for rice i don't trust houston baptist they're terrible it was an anomaly they stuck with oklahoma that is the most 
fake result I've ever seen. Oklahoma's two for 13 from three and 14 for 33 from two. They just didn't care about that game. Jim, Providence, do they dismantle Central Connecticut? Another bad basketball team. I don't love Providence as a big favorite. I don't either. Uh, so I, I'm not all the way on board with this one. Central Connecticut State has been completely murdered by a Big East team before. Lost by 51 to UConn. 51. 51. But Kai, they did hang around against NC State. There's a couple of matchup edges that might speak to Providence blowing them out here. What, what, what do you think? Rebounding is number one. Top 50 team in offensive rebounding versus the 335th best defensive rebounding team. Free throw rate, Providence is sixth best in the country. Central Connecticut is 270th in allowing free throws. And Providence has beaten a, a team from Central Connecticut's conference, Sacred Heart, by 28 points already. I, I do think Providence can do it. Obviously, the pace is not ideal for a, a Providence blowout, but I just think these teams are on two different stratospheres. Yeah, we'll see what the number ends up on all three of these. Let's move forward. I mean, hey, it's the year of the dog. So we're pretty much back in every dog here. We're not going to try and pick out favorites to cover large spreads. It's not our not our MO. But uh, Gonzaga, Thursday, Rice, and Providence, both on Saturday, if you're looking for some large roast contestants akin to your college football weekly pools. That is the year of the ox, actually, buddy. The year of the ox? Is that official, according to the Chinese calendar? Yeah, next year's the year of the tiger. Should be a good year. When's the actual year of the dog? We need to circle that and make sure we have a whole sponsored segment for BBOC <laughs> at that know. time. Thank you. All right. We have four games we want to highlight here that are outside the basically the non-rivalry big marquee games of the weekend. Texas at Seton Hall on Thursday, and then Saturday a twofer of Houston at Alabama, Arizona at Illinois, and then Sunday, Villanova at Baylor. Man, that is quite the crescendo into basketball porn. Let's start on Thursday. Texas at Seton Hall, Jim. Who's going to be favored in this game? We love us some Pirates. And Texas, we know, is a little bit of a work in progress right now. Is this the game where we see the Chris Beard mojo come to life? Yeah, my hunch is this like this is like a pick 'em. It just kind of yeah. I'm, I'm not sure who we designate as the favorite. Ken Palm's got it minus one for Seton Hall, give or take that. The, the issue is we, we haven't seen great Texas. It's very much an in-theory team at this point, more than an in-practice squad. Yeah. They they had the one big test where they went to Gonzaga and they got shellacked. So that's certainly not something to go off of, but they've been pretty solid at home. We know Beard is going to get this team going eventually, or, or at least I believe that. They've fallen off my radar a little bit as like a top five, top 10 national title contender just because they don't have any sort of statement performance, but this could be the one where they get it. They announce it loudly on a Thursday night, national TV. Oh, did you forget about the Longhorns? Did you forget about Chris Beard and all the talent yeah, he brought yeah. in? I would certainly lean towards the Longhorns, even though we haven't seen proof of concept yet, Kai. I've only played one team inside the top 215. That's crazy to me. And that was Gonzaga. So yeah, Jim, we have no clue how good they are. My hunch is they're pretty good. They have to be, right? Chris Beard, it's, it's 10 guys who could start for any team in the entire country. But Seton Hall's battle-tested, man. They've played some good teams. They obviously beat Michigan. That's what kind of turned everybody on to the Seton Hall team, Matt, even though we were the first adopters. We were. Hall hype train. We were. Um, yeah, it should be a good game. Gosh, Seton Hall's favored. I am going to be tempted to take Texas. I'm not touching Texas. I think it's hauler bust for me. No profound thoughts in this game. I, Timmy Allen is Texas' best player. I think we heard murmurs about that in the offseason. It's really come to fruition. Again, it's against non-conference nobodies, so we'll see how the pecking order shakes out against real Big 12 competition as the year matures. But right now, he's like been their best player pretty emphatically. I don't know if I like that, just for the ceiling of Texas. In this matchup, I don't like Faden Seton Hall. Defense, length, too stout, too formidable. I want to look at Alabama-Houston. This one really intrigues me. Bama off that huge win at the Zags, Jimmy. Jim, is Houston shocked Bama here and sort of a sleepy, feeling good about themselves, beating the chess spot? 
I don't think Alabama's going to be sleepy. I think they know they're playing a top five Ken Palm team. This is a quad one opportunity at home. Crowd's going to be hyped. I won't call it sleepy, but man, styles make fights, boys. This one is going to be a tug of war in terms of tempo, in terms of how this game plays out. Alabama obviously thrives when they get to run. Their guards are in space. Look at what they did to Gonzaga. But Houston wants this to be a street fight. They want to brawl in the paint. They want to get all over the offensive glass. Now, if they go too hard on the glass, does that open the transition attack up for the Tide? Man, it's it's tough to fig- get, get a read on this one, Kai. Houston might be a little inflated in the market because of the way they blow out bad teams. What do you think? Definitely inflated in Kempom. They're number four right now. That's clouds, man. Like, I'm, I'm shocked Kempom has this at minus one at Alabama. Yeah. The market just saw Alabama beat Gonzaga. I, there's no way this is minus one. I bet it's closer to three. I might punch back on Houston there. I I think Houston is primed for this type of game. They're going to just come out in a dog fight, a cougar fight, Matt, if you will. There are the cougars, not um a bunch of hot older ladies. But I, I, I do think Houston is a good dog in this in this fight here. Trayvon like Mark continues to emerge for, for Houston. Yeah. I think that's that's huge. He started Future off on offense. the on the shelf, injured, had had a couple big games lately off the bench against bad teams. He's the NBA talent on this roster, Matthew. If he emerges into the star, the all-conference caliber guy that they don't quite have. I mean, Sasser's been great, but Mark, I think, has the highest ceiling. I don't, Jamal Sheed's been the guy who's impressed me. An absolute disruptor in the backcourt is sort of morphed into their quasi point guard. On paper, I like your as a Houston takes. Feels like they can shut down Alabama's public guard play. I thought Gonzaga's guards were equipped to do the same, and the Crimson's oh. guards were head and shoulders above them. I know Houston's, Houston's guards def- are better defense. They are better, but I mean, I think we're going to say Nemhard and Strother are both plus plus defenders, and I thought oh. Bama looked. You don't think so? I'm not there on Strother as a plus plus defender compared to the, the way Houston okay, gets these guys in the factory and turns them out. Yeah, Houston's better. I think that's the key. Houston's better. I just want to caution us because we said the same thing. I, at least I was saying the same thing. I mean, you guys about Alabama's guards going going up against like severe length. Um, but yeah, Houston, different animal. I think Houston could be a live road dog here, actually. Houston, Fine. You number, convinced me. You've convinced me. Yeah. I saw the country. Number one in the country defense, Gonzaga 19th. Houston's defense is better. Houston's defense it is better. rocks the house. It is better. The perimeter defense, I, the interior defense, excuse me, is why I think Houston's is much better than Gonzaga's. Um, wow. Shades to Chet Holmgren, potentially the best shot blocker in the country? He's still a little soft, Jimmy. Still a little softy. Can, you can blame him a little bit. You can blame him a little bit. Tough narrative. What, to call him soft? He's a little soft. It's a 15% block rate. Yeah, no, he's been really good this year. I don't know why I'm throwing shade <laughs> at Chet Holmgren. This is not a Chet Holmgren discussion right now. Illinois hosting Arizona, Kai the Illini, Andre Curbelo, who cares? Doesn't matter. Better without him. Do we want to start those narratives now? The yes, conspiracy theories? Them. I'm here to start them. I kind of <laughs> yeah. think they don't need them. And Trent Frazier's awesome. Alfonso Plummer hasn't missed a three since 2003. Kofi's a monster. Um, but Arizona's also a juggernaut. What gives? Uh, you ever seen Finding Nemo 2? The walruses, they want to keep people off of their island. They go off, 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 off. That's how I feel right now about Arizona. Get away from Arizona. This is our team, Jim. We were high on them in the preseason. The Weave called Arizona. Now the Wildcat is out of the bag. That's another pun for you. They're 12th in Kempom, up from number 47 preseason. Top five in the net. Everyone is on the Arizona train, blah, blah, blah. They're a great matchup for Illinois. They have the size to neutralize Coburn. I'm leaning towards Arizona if they're plus three. Arizona wins. They're better. They they have a little more of an established identity in the backcourt. Illinois still kind of figuring things out with Frazier and Plummer kind of alternating alpha status there. And yeah, if you don't have to double Kofi or like completely change your defense to combat him and how you guard the post, then you're going to have success. 
I, I just think this Arizona team is fully for real, like top five good. I'm all aboard the bandwagon. I blew up my 95 to one futures ticket and I sleep under it at night. It keeps me warm. I am a wildcat man all the way. I think they get it done here. Agree. Are we worried about the home hypeness coming back to buy zone here on the road? Yeah, this I think this could be like the few lone blemish on Arizona's resume. It's all said and done. That said, Arizona's better at Oregon State. They've been on the road already. They've been tested a little bit, right? These non-con homes have been pretty strong, though. That's my only word of caution to those looking to follow us. But I am on Arizona. There's just no reason why you shouldn't be backing them right now. They're that good. And then finally, little Sunday. Sunday service here. We will be worshiping at the altar of basketball when Villanova travels to Waco, West Texas or Middle Texas, to take on Baylor. The Bears, two teams that are vying for the legit national title discussion. We both anoint them as worthy members of that exclusive club. Baylor, will they be favored by four or five in this game, Kai? It's tough to kind of peg where we're going to have this spread or the odds makers will open this number. Ken yeah. Palm has it right around five right now. Gosh, if it's five, I'm taking Villanova. Also, it's more East Texas. It's like middle East Texas, Waco. I would take Villanova. This is a rematch, Jim, of the tournament game. Sweet 16, Baylor won by 11, but Villanova had a seven-point lead at halftime without Colin Gillespie. Colin Gillespie's back. This Baylor team's still incredible. Not quite as good as last year. I think Villanova can hang around. I think Villanova can even win this game. So if you're giving me four or five, I'm probably on the Cats. Yeah, I mean, Villanova gave Baylor the best game in the tournament. The only real competitive game they played where they actually had to fight to pull it out. I guess Arkansas kind of hung around and made it difficult, but losing at halftime, goodness, that was that was a foreign concept for Baylor last year. Uh, and yeah, like you said, without Gillespie, their, their chief ball handler. I, I think Villanova has gone 0 for 2 in their big swing so far this year. And they won't go over three. I just trust Jay Wright too much. They blew it against UCLA Purdue. and Purdue. They could have won that game. They probably should have. I arguably should have. So I think Villanova finally gets the top of the line featured top of the resume win here. And that is no slight to Baylor. I think they're top five to seven ish this season. Their switchability on defense with Brown and Sohan in there is really, really deadly. Meyer continues to emerge as that alpha scorer, Matthew. But I trust Villanova. I think getting round Cosby Roundtree while he's not a huge contributor, just having that extra body helps. And I, I think they're smart enough defensively with their switching that the Wildcats win. I'm, I'm road Wildcats is what I'm all about. And Jim, that road trip is not as far as I let on in my intro. You're right. Waco is in middle central Texas. Why don't I think Waco is West Texas? I always used to think that too. It's wrong. I, I have no explanation for it. I thought it was like, oh yeah, Lubbock and Waco, the two <laughs> ones that are way out there. And I was like about like Odessa and Midland, like Permian Panther. To, no, I'm an oh, idiot. Look, look Waco fans are like, you Texas idiots. Dropping. Wow. My sister lives close. I should know these things. Um, I hope Villanova loses so people can continue to doubt them because I think they're awesome. So I guess just for my own selfish reasons and betting going forward, I hope Baylor wins. That's my only take I'll have there. Let's get to some mid-major games of the week. Real quick here, folks, we're running along. I want to save plenty of time to talk rivalry oh, action. Fine, baby. Let's run through these four. Utah State at BYU. Oh, that's a big one on Wednesday. So if you listen to this on Wednesday, this is tonight. Then we have Vermont at Brown on Friday, one of the Ivy mid-major darlings so far this year. Uh, we have Richmond hosting Toledo on Saturday. The Itsy Bitsy Spiders hosting the Rockets. And then Yale versus Iona uh, in Brooklyn on Sunday. Those are the four we're going to quickly hit. At the top, Utah State, BYU. I mean, what Ryan Odom's done to replace Craig Smith has been nothing short of magnificent. Probably should have beat St. Mary's at home, got hosed on a last second call. Now they travel to BYU. Jim, the Cougars are down two key big guys. And that's my concern for Mark Pope's bunch going forward. Yeah, no Harward, no Baxter. And then Gideon George, we don't know his status. He's right. been out a couple too. So kind of want him back. I mean, if this is nine, that's absurd. 
Yeah, that's no entirely too high. I love Mark Pope. He's terrific, but nine is just entirely too many points for this. I would guess it's closer to like seven, and I would yeah. still lean towards Utah State there. Uh, they've figured themselves out after that home loss to UC Davis to open the year. They've got really skilled bigs. They can spread you out, uh, and then they run a lot of intricate cutting motion and, and really precise stuff offensively. This will be a great game just to watch as a basketball fan. Both these teams are tremendously well-coached. And Kai, Mr. Justin Bean, potentially Gosh. an All-American. He's so freaking good. We can say we can cuss on this, on this podcast, actually. He's so fucking good. Justin Bean is so good. If you have not watched him play, guys, please go turn on Utah State game. This is a pretty big rivalry, I'm pretty sure. The old wagon wheel oh, yeah. is the, oh, yeah. the football rivalry trophy. No way it's going to be nine with the injuries here. Um, this is the last year also Matt BYU is going to be called a mid-major. Well, I don't know when they're going to the Big 12, but eventually they're going to the Big 12. So there's not too much longer for BYU being in the mid-major category. This one does not feel like a mid-major game. going to be fun to watch. I also lean towards Utah State. Yeah, I'm sure I, some I, of the... I call these high majors. High hybrids. Yeah. Hybrids. Yeah, I'm sure the WCC and Mountain West fans are up in arms that we're even classifying both these squads here. But hey, deal with that. We talked about your team in depth. You're welcome. Vermont Brown, a more true to mid-major form. The Ivies have just impressed us. Brown and Cornell, the two, like, what the hell of all the Ivies so far? But just in general, they've all been better than we thought coming off a year where they sat out. Kai Brown looking to be a slight dog here, hosting the Catamounts. What say you? Awesome matchup, Davis and Cho. Two best players in each team. They're big guys, but Cho's pretty versatile. He can do pretty much whatever he wants on the floor. Seven and two against the spread is Brown. As of this podcast taping, they have a game tonight. Yeah, I don't really have a side in this one, Jim. I'm just shocked how good Brown is this season. I kind of lean towards Brown. Again, both these teams, I think, play tonight as we're recording. So we're going to get a little more information about them. But you mentioned Show versus Davis. You also have Ganey. Jalen Ganey, the defending Ivy Defensive Player of the Year, or reigning Defensive Player of the Year. That's a great matchup for him inside. Vermont hasn't really knocked down shots the way we would think that kind of team will. Uh, and Brown's just big and athletic. It's a weird identity for an Ivy team, but they have embraced it. And like their guards, they've got two, six, four, 220 pounders that can guard multiple positions. I, I actually kind of like Brown here. What can Brown do for me? Uh, hopefully nothing. I like the other side, Jimmy. Sorry. I think Vermont is sneaky athletic too, especially on the wing. Unlike we talk about how Brown is an outlier in the Ivy playground. I think Vermont is an outlier in the America East playground. Now, I know that playground's a lesser playground than the Ivy in terms of competition, but they have some athletes. I do like the Catamounts. There should be a negligible home. No disrespect to the Brown home crowd there, but I'm not. I think you're getting some free value with the road spot there for the uh, for Vermont. But yeah, seven and two against the number. Brown's been good. Beware of the Ivy. Next up, Toledo at Richmond, Kai. I like the Itsubitsu Spiders. I continue to think they're undervalued, but Jim is shunning or showing the Rocket t-shirt right in my face. Got some swagged out gear on this program. Oh, let's go to Jim here. Jim, why Rockets? Richmond hasn't been as convincing as I thought they would be this year. They like to blow leads. They love to blow leads. Right. So I think even if you get down, you have the hope of that. And I think Toledo's pretty solid. They get Keyshawn Saunders back, get, give them a little more depth that they've desperately needed this year. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a rocket guy here, Matthew. I think a touchdown would be too many, and that's what Ken Palm has it at. Toledo's four and three against the spread. Not as scary as last year when they were like 17 and 0, and we were like, oh my God, it can't fade Toledo. I don't know what to do with Richmond, Matt. They've, they've blown all their chances to win huge games. They've, they've had a couple of nice wins on the road against mid-majors, but as far as at-large resume goes, they kind of need this game. Will they win by seven or more? I tend not to think so, but I think they win. I wouldn't call Toledo a live dog quite yet in this one. Um, and they have a neutral NC State or against NC State on, on Friday the 17th. So I think Richmond has something to play for. I'd be wary of Toledo. I agree. I don't think Toledo's defense is that good this season. 
I think it was propped up by a little bit of a house of cards the last year and a half. They don't have Edu back there blocking shots. Didn't have them last year, and they played fine. But I don't think either team can scop the other one. But I trust Richmond's defense a lot more than Toledo. But I think Jim's initial point that seven is a big number. So it's all kind of all about value for me in, in that matchup. All right, last one here: Yale versus Iona. This is at Brooklyn. Not really, but kind of maybe some home for Iona for those that want to take the quick subway down from New Rochelle to the Barclays Center. Coaching, there's no advantage here for either side, unless you want to argue Rick Pitino is better than James Jones in a one-game setting, and you're free to do so. But man, James Jones can carry the clipboard, Jimmy. This is just two really good teams. Iona actually has an at-large berth to play for. Yale probably outside of the realm of possibility, but still a great team and capable of coming out with a big effort here. Yeah, I think the difference is the big boy. Nelly Jr. Joseph in the middle for Iona. Yale's bigs are not great. It's kind of just a collection of bodies that they throw out there. And even their bigs are not that big. Isaiah Kelly starts at center. He's 6'7", 215. Junior Joseph is 6'9", 240. He's an animal. Uh, I think as long as Iona doesn't forget about him and try to throw up shots from outside, they're in good shape. But Kai, we don't know if Elijah Joyner will play. I think he is likely still out for this one, which hurts them in the backcourt. It does, but I'm not sure I, I care that much. I, I'm a big believer now in this Iona squad. You guys were earlier than me, and kudos to you. But 7-3 against the spread, they beat Alabama. Give me my uh, flowers, this, Kai. Yeah, the team's good. Yale, Yale's actually 3-6 and six against the spread, Matt. They're the worst ATS team. That shocked me. Which is very surprising. Great research by you. Blown off against them, Seton Hall and, and, and Auburn. Obviously, two teams that are pretty damn good. But again, Iona beat Alabama. So I think minus three might be a little short here. Might take the Gales. Yeah, you're right, Kai. The whole they're three and six against the spread is a little bit concerning. It probably it debunks my Ivy's been awesome narrative to some degree. But Yale's really good. So don't let that they are good. They're still steer good. you away for that reason alone. The trash man pick of the week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage. And you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. Okay, let's get to some ugly, ugly games coming up. There's one that really sticks out here. Trash man pick of the week. The trash man pick of the week. Get yourself littered in garbage. <laughs> Old Dominion is hosting VCU on Saturday. And when I think ugly, gross teams, VCU comes right to mind. Basically, injury-ridden, down a few key guys, having to win with defense. Old Matt. Dominion has been playing out of that mantra for years. Yes, Jim? Is that because VCU is 263rd in offense and 4th in defense? Could that be why you think of them as a trash team? Kai, what do we call that? What do we call that? It's called a lopsided lovely, Matthew. But in this case, it's not so lovely, is it? No, it isn't. <laughs> um, do we have a take on this game? Side, under? I mean, is the under the toll going to be sub 120? Probably. Ken Bob has a 113, so I would imagine okay. it will be sub 120. Sub, it could be sub 110 by the time I'm done. Then. We'll see. Kai, what are you looking at? ODU is 346th in tempo. So that plus their offense is 241st going against, like Jim said, the fourth ranked defense. That's a bad recipe there. VCU's held teams to 54, 58, 37, 56, and 55 in five games. I mean, that's incredible. And VCU themselves have not scored over 67 points the entire year. They are one of the worst. That includes teams, an overtime game. Including overtime. And, <laughs> yeah. and they're one of the worst teams with the ball. They turn the ball over constantly. This game is going to be just no points and trash man pick of the week. Jim is, is perfectly uh, anointed to this game. Yep. Don't be afraid of unders just because the number is unbelievably low. I, I this, this could be 42 to 38. Like this is <laughs> the epitome of disgusting here. Nothing further to add. Gross. I will probably take in the under as well. Two more quick hitters. LIU at Fordham green Bay at UMKC. This is Thursday and Friday, respectively Fordham's offense. Isn't as gross as it has been in, prior years 
but it's still pretty gross. Coming in at 293rd, LIU can't score either. They really haven't been able to under Derek Kellogg now for multiple years. Jim, any take here? Uh, well, Fordham actually has decent guards. Yeah, decent guards. LIU's, LIU's guards are kind of like mannequins. They're, they're not good. They, they've got an awesome front court, but they can't get them the ball in advantageous spots, so they get blown out constantly. Uh, I would I would lean towards Fordham here, although Ken Palm at minus six seems a little high. Yeah, This is like square peg round hole here. Neither team shoots over 31% from three. It's going to be just a brick fest. Agree. Uh, UMKC, Green Bay, same thing. Do the Roos take care of business? Combined three wins against D1 competition for these two teams. UKMC is severely better. So I don't yes, want to like tough schedule there. UMKC is a nice ball club. Very nice ball yeah. club. I think there's going to be at least four to five shot clock violations in this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both teams play super slow at bottom. Typically good for unders. Shot clock violations are good for unders, I believe. All right. Spotlight rivalry games. Kicking it off Thursday evening. Cy Hawk, Kai, we have attended. Hilton Magic. We saw it during yeah. the non-con. A little bit of it. Yeah, we didn't see its no, full. It was, it was conference game, but it was Christmas break. It was over Christmas break. So we didn't yeah. really see the full juice that it has to offer here. It's going to be rocking when the Hawkeyes come to town. And we now know that Iowa State is good, question mark. That's where I start. Yeah. Are they good? I think they're good. I don't think they're top 15 like the AP poll shows. And you see that here by a projected spread of minus three for Iowa. Um, did a little research on all these on all these games. So we'll throw out the all-time series records here. Iowa's 47-27, but since 2001, Iowa State has won by an average of one and a half points per game at Ames at Hilton Magic. This will be the first time since 2001, Jim, that Iowa State will be a dog in this series at home. Very interesting. Iowa State's four and six against the spread at Ames in the Cyhawks and so on. Last year was almost a 30-point game at Iowa. Yeah, blowout. I think Iowa State's out for blood. And I really like this Iowa team this year, so it's hard for me to say that. I'm still kind of doubting Iowa State, Jim, but the spot and the magic of the Hilton Coliseum has me leaning towards the clones. Yeah, I'm sort of a believer in what Otzelberger's done so far. They defend like crazy on the perimeter. And while, Matt, we know that Iowa's upgraded the athleticism on the perimeter a little bit, especially when they get Perkins and Euless out there, that that's kind of juiced their efforts in, the, in, in recent games. It's still, I don't know if it's enough to deal with Iowa State. Uh, hey, guys, this is surprising to me. Bart Torvik, if you take out preseason bias, preseason priors, can you guess what these two teams rank this year? Give me a ballpark for both of them, Kai. 20 and 40, Iowa Yeah, 20. good guesses. I agree. Iowa 15, Iowa State 30. Both these teams have been rock, yeah, rock damn. solid this year. So pretty impressive. Uh, this is a much bigger game than I thought it was coming into the year. I was like, oh, the number right. 50 team at number yeah, 115. Right. It's like, nope, these are two tournament teams. Really impressed with them both so far. Yeah, I'm with you, Kai. I feel contradictory saying that Iowa State's a little bit overrated, but I think this is the right spot, and I think they match up pretty well with Iowa State and Hilton Magic back to its fullest form under their old former assistant, Mr. Otzelberger. I like the clones at home. Kansas at Missouri. This is a rivalry game. It's called the Border War for those that aren't from the Missouri-Kansas area. Here's a matchup of two teams. One team is not good. It used to be competitive, and then it didn't exist for a little bit, and now it's back, and the timing not ideal. For your Tiggers, Jim and Kai, as I see some Mizzou attire in both of your backgrounds. Jim, why is Mizzou going to keep this competitive? Try and talk yourself, <laughs> talk the people into some reach of a case for this game being close. Please try. No, no, <laughs> I refuse. I have no reason to believe that. Guys, the stat I just gave you of taking out preseason priors, guess where Mizzou is in that? Oh, 250. wow. 250? 310th. <laughs> 
310th. They're okay. terrible. This is an awful team. They're 333rd in offense. Yeah. We we talked on our preseason podcast about how bad their offense could be. We didn't, I don't think we even fathom that it could be this terrible. They're going against a motivated juggernaut in Kansas that is going to be like, hey, you left our conference. We want to embarrass you. We want to yeah. pull your pants down in front of all these people and spank you with a paddle until you go home crying back to Columbia. And that's what's going to happen. I think Kansas wins by 30 plus. Yeah, uh, Kansas hates Mizzou. And and the, the feeling's mutual, Jim, as Mizzou fans here. This game has been played since 2012. It's been almost 10 years. So this is very highly anticipated. KU obviously leads the series 173 to 94. There has never been a bigger spread in this rivalry, at least in the last 10 years. 18 and a half was the biggest back in 08. KU's only six and five, though, against the spread at Fog during that span, which is a little surprising to me. It's usually pretty close. But Matt, there are three outliers. KU's won by 33, 32, and 25 in the last 10 years against Mizzou. I totally think it's going to happen on Saturday. And Mizzou's only won outright just one time back in 03 when Quinn Snyder took down Roy Williams. I'm just excited this rivalry game is back. I'll be way more excited for next year when it's in Columbia. Mizzou covers. That's my take. You're, you're, you're crazy. You're wild. Uh, all the way back to 1998, <laughs> Kai, Kansas was a 24 and a half point home okay. favorite. There you go. Uh, they only won by 10. So perhaps Matt is onto something there. 1998, Matt, that's your historical precedent. The problem is that Mizzou's defense isn't even good this year. That's what Jim was saying. Like, it, I don't even have like the old it's physicality okay. Kwanzaa thing to fall back on. There's no size. Like, no size. No. Well, how do you have a team that has no Ironic. shooting and no interior defense? Yeah, like, it's know. just a bunch of bricky wings. That's it. But, Mizzou has a 7'3 guy, but somehow no size. Because he's as no, that, mobile that's as... That's exactly right. They have I no mean, size. he's horrendous. <laughs> he, he shouldn't be on the court. It's the Kobe Brown game. He gets 30. Mizzou loses oh, by yeah. 18. Cover central. Boom. <laughs> Write it down. All right. A more yeah, sure. important, more relevant rivalry this year, the Crosstown Shootout. Xavier hosting Cincinnati Battle of the Queen City. Skyline Chili, all that stupid cliche stuff. Jim, since he leads the all-time series, Man, this is... you've already pissed off every Cincinnati human being, both sides. <laughs> what, by saying what? Skyline saying bullshit or whatever. Oh, you right, yeah, I, yeah, they you hate all that stuff. You can't, you can't do that. I've actually never been to Cincinnati, so I'm, uh, I'm keeping my never-had Skyline Chili streak alive by just simply not going to the city. Jim, since he has been dominant historically, however, Xavier has been dominant recently. What gives yeah. here? Xavier's been the better team this season, but Xavier's been, or since he's been feisty as well. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm concerned. It, Xavier has won multiple recently. With the, it's the the typical clip of uh, Travis Steele going to Dana Gardens and dropping the cash on the bar and becoming the folk hero and, and rallying the fan favor as he doesn't make NCAA tournaments. I think the new presence on the other sideline makes a difference here. I think Wes Miller has Cincinnati playing much better. I think they're feisty as an underdog, even on the road at Cintas. It's going to be kind of an ugly game. I've, I've been impressed with the interior defense of both teams. Nunji has been outstanding for yes. Xavier, like really, really impressive coming yeah. over from Iowa where he didn't have to play defense very often. Uh, I, so I think it's kind of an ugly, close game, war down to the, down to the end. And I'm giving the slight edge to Cincy. I, I'm just kind of a Bearcat guy, so you're higher on this team. I think they get it done, Kai. I think they win at Cintas. I agree. Win. Cosign. I think they Xavier's, win at Cintas. Xavier's won eight of the last 10 at home but they're only four and six against the spread in those 10 games. They've won by an average of three points per game. Wes Miller, better coach than Travis Steele. And mm. it's not close. I think it's, I, I agree with that. I thought Matt was about to push back. The reaction was <laughs> like, oh, that's a hot take to some maybe. I think that's right though. No, I think I'm, Travis I'm, Steele I'm, is one of the worst coaches in the country. Oh my God, that's a little too harsh. No, they've been good this year. 
worse than power conference basketball. One one of the like one of the worst in power 15. conference basketball, Matt. I truly yeah. believe that Xavier it's hasn't had a three-year NCAA tournament uh, void. He has underachieved. No, I agree. He's underachieved. I just I'm not ready. To, I think there's plenty of candidates of whole bad coaches. You're, I think you're discounting the number of bad bad coaches that are currently in. That's I'm pretty. That's I'm pretty sure Xavier has started like this the last couple of years and then faded. The non-con where yeah. it's like, oh, Xavier's last year. Xavier was eight and zero in the non-con, just melted during the stretch. So let's. Let's not overreact to their hot start here. I'm kind of with Jim. The spread feels kind of high. If it's really going to be around eight, probably lean towards Cincy. Yeah, I, I bet the spread's like five, and that's It'll okay with me. Yep, right, exactly. And finally, Requiem for the Big East, Georgetown, Syracuse. It's back. Well, actually, it's technically been back, but no longer is it a fun conference game, unfortunately. Syracuse is 3-10 and 10 against the spread in the last 13 meetings. Guys, Georgetown has subtly dominated this rivalry recently. I just think the Georgetown team this season is maybe the worst we've seen in the last 20 years. And that may not be hyperbolic. Jim, where do you stand here? It just feels like a game that bubble Syracuse loses to remain bubbly where it's like, Oh, they got a big (laughs) one at Florida state. They knocked off Indiana at home. We're kind of starting to think the Syracuse team might be good. And they're like, no, 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 no. We want our selection Sunday to be stressful. So we're going to lose to Georgetown, which is an odd, odd game to lose. I'm a little bit worried about them here, Kai. I think the the Hoyas, despite being as frustrating as they can be, they've won some recently in this in this matchup where I thought they were categorically worse, and I think they can do yeah. it again here. And they are categorically worse. I watched the South Carolina game. Georgetown is terrible. They are the stupidest fucking <laughs> team I have ever watched. Like it looks like they're just not even coached, Matt. Like on defense, especially, they're big guys are so dumb, just stepping up on help situations and no one helping behind them. I was actually like mad watching the game. I was on Georgetown small, so that was part of it, obviously. Oh, no, you really? That didn't come across at all. (laughs) The the betters can sympathize with the anger there on a game, but they're so stupid. Like, I I would not ever bet Georgetown in this situation, even though I think it would be, Jim, like you said, probably a pretty good bet in the grand scheme. Yeah, I mean, Ken Palm only has a Syracuse minus two. There's no sure. way in, in a world my number says we got to bet on Georgetown here no, because that right. seems wildly low. It's just a total gut feel Syracuse identity thing where it's like they got to drop a bad one so that they stay on the bubble. I kind of think Syracuse hangs around with Villanova and this will happen Tuesday night. So by the time you're listening to this, that will be in the books. Feel free to audit what a terrible take that was or good take it was. And thus sets up for another vintage Georgetown out of their ass effort. So yeah, Georgetown, kind of like sure. Mizzou take for no real rhyme or reason, just weird rivalry shit. You like betting on the ugly teams, man. They're gross. No one else likes to. Oddsmakers don't like said lines against them. People don't like betting on them. But here I am. I'm the garbage man. Happy to take up those the trash man. The trash man. Exactly. That's all we got, kids. Hefty pod today. A lot of games coming up. We'll continue to get better as the weeks roll along. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Spotify. We will see you same time next week on the Big Bets on Campus Podcast.